What is up, you guys? Welcome back. Super excited for you to listen to this interview because I got to talk with Claire Fagan, who we met each other kind of just on Instagram and just have connected. So it was so cool kind of getting to talk to her face to face in person instead of just, you know, shooting messages over on Instagram. She is the one who I learned everything I know about sourdough. So I learned all of that from her. And it's kind of cool just diving into her life and what got her to where she is today being as what she says a professional hobbyist and I don't know we just dive into so many things like we talk about um, just kind of the self-sufficiency aspect and kind of getting back to the root of things and and just kind of how diet culture in this fast-paced environment and life and just how fast-paced society is in general has really taken over our lives and how it is so nice to just stop and take a step back. And she just talks about her journey through life and how she got to where she is today. And it's just a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's do it. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God, and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, what we were talking about be- before, you know, the, this the actual recording right here is that, you know, I started following you right when you started to do sourdough and just um, just posting about your just one of your many hobbies. Um, but before we like dive into all these really cool things that you do, I guess just give us a little introduction of who you are and and what you do and like all those all those good things. Cool. Okay. Um, my name is Claire Fagan. I am, well, I suppose my, my like title in life is sort of going through a transition right now. Normally I would have introduced myself as a floral artist and photographer. Um, I'm based in LA. So in the last couple, I would say like mm, five or so years, I've kind of been immersed in like the art world, um, mostly on sets. Um, and mostly my, my like most, um, loved and used medium is flowers. Um, so that's kind of been my life for the last like five or so years. Um, and then more recently, um, I've had less set work and I've kind of transitioned more into sharing publicly on social media, um, a lot of my hobbies. So I, I kind of feel like my new title is more like just a hobbyist. (laughs) Um, I love flowers still, of course. And, you know, when, when art jobs and set jobs come up, I'm delighted to take them, but, um, I've kind of transitioned a little bit more into sharing these like parts of me that I feel like I've, I've, I was homeschooled when I was younger. And I think that I learned a lot of these hobbies when I was homeschooled and, uh, and carried them with me, but always felt like maybe they were kind of dorky or something. And I never talked about them publicly. So, um, I, I, I suppose my name is Claire Fagan and I am a hobbyist who is owning my, <laughs> my dorky, um, but fabulous, um, interests and sharing them on YouTube and Instagram and yeah, that's me. <laughs> I love that. I just, I love following like your journey. I haven't been there from like the very beginning about like the whole floral, right. floral art and stuff that you do. But like, of course I've Instagram stalked you. So I've gone back <laughs> and like, look at all of them. I'm like, dang, like she's talented in so many different areas. I love the, how it's all been kind of put together where you can share all these different things. And it makes me want to do all these different things too. I'm like, okay, we're doing sourdough and we're gonna do bone broth. <laughs> oh, and yay. then we're gonna do oh, this and that. Um, the whole, uh, you know, growing things that's very intimidating to me but that is next on my on my list yes yeah Yeah. oh my gosh I don't know how you do that it's a lot of patience it is a lot oh my gosh and I am like being fully asked to exercise said patience right now because we've had so much rain in LA and so many cloudy days that 
I have a lot of green in my garden right now and like limited flowers. Um, and I just need like a couple weeks of sun and I know I'll have flowers, but yeah, it is a lot of patience and I'm not a patient person. So it's been a good, it's been good for me for sure. But yeah, gardening is like a whole different world. There's so much to know. I know like so many like rules, I guess too. Like, yeah. I, I guess I I assume that you can, like, plant something and have it all year round because, like, I grew up in San Diego and the weather's always the same. Yeah. But then, like, I, I moved to Virginia and I started, like, planting things and then they, like, died because it was, yeah. like, 20 degrees outside. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. I guess it doesn't work this way. Yeah, no, I feel that it's definitely intricate because unless you're growing all one plant in your whole entire garden, then you have to know, like, the quirks of each different plant, like, what kind of fertilizers, how often to water, that kind of thing. So it's definitely, I mean, I'm still, I still feel like I'm at the beginning of the learning process with that. It's like something new every season. I basically fail at something and learn from it. And then the next season, I only half fail at that thing. And you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's fun though. Well, so what got you into, into this? Because obviously you've been doing it for a long time and it went from just being a hobby to something you're getting paid for and in a business so how did that happen and how did the transition go from hobby to business for gardening specifically yeah for gardening specifically um well I suppose um actually I okay so I love flowers as I have said um I think that they're just there's not many well, that's not true. I think they're a good reminder that that um, they're here just to like be beautiful, right? And like make people happy and just be, um, I mean, they're all different. They don't all look the same, but they're here to be themselves and that's beautiful. And we just get so much joy from flowers, right? And I think it's a good reminder just as like people, like we're all different, but being on our, oops. I lost an AirPod. Sorry. <laughs> but being our, our most authentic selves is going to attract people to us and bring joy to people. Right. So I love flowers for that reason. And I, and I consider them like little friends and little sources of inspiration. But I think that in the work that I was doing with flowers, I didn't feel that there was like, I didn't feel that I was showing flowers, the respect that they deserved. I, you know, on sets and for events, You buy a whole bunch of flowers um, in bulk. You use them for whatever you're going to use them for. You cut them down to how small you need them or whatever. Like there's so much manipulation. You take all their leaves off and, and then they are either on set or at an event for a matter of like hours. And then after that, they're, you, you like, you know, you throw them away or you, you know, I try and give them away on set, but I can't just take like, multiple thousands multiple thousand dollars multiple thousands of dollars of (laughs) flowers there we go (laughs) there we go I got it um with me every time so anyway I just but they're always a little bit sad after the event or after the shoot and I just I don't know it was bothering me and so in an attempt to sort of like increase the level of respect I was able to have for flowers, I started growing them because I think that when you can see them from seed to seedling to like vegetative plant to flower, um, it's like, that's my child (laughs) at that point. You know what I mean? Like I didn't just go to the store and buy this like already sprouted flower that's been cut down for me and packaged nicely. Um, so I suppose that's what got me into growing flowers. Um, on top of that, my mom is like an amazing gardener. And um, when I was homeschooled, we would grow strawberries and watermelon and tomatoes and things like that outside. I grew up in Texas. So um, very like, you know, fruitful summers. And um, so it was kind of like this mix of like it had been in my life in a way. And then my mom knew a lot about it. So she was like a great resource while I was learning. And then I had found flowers more artistically and kind of all those, those things kind of melted together into this, um, hobby that I now share on YouTube and, you know, Instagram and stuff like that. And my goal is to eventually grow tons and tons and tons of flowers. Like that's what my, like, 
my YouTube is called farm dream because it is my dream to have a farm and grow flowers. Um, so I right right now I only have a one flower bed or two, but hopefully someday I can grow on like a larger scale. So it's good to be learning now while it's still small scale. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. I like how, how you talk about, you have this new appreciation like for flowers now that you grow them. That's how I feel about like the sourdough now. I'm like, this isn't just like bread that you go and you pay a couple dollars for. Like I put my heart and soul, like this was a 24 hour journey. Yes. Well, yeah. And even just the, the all the time journey of upkeeping your sourdough. And like I talk about with sourdough starter, like as soon as you as the baker start to work with your starter, it becomes yours. Like it's taking on yeasts and bacterias from like your kitchen and your hands. And like, it's literally yours. Like um, I'm always worried that if I, something happened to mine, like I accidentally, uh, I don't know, had it in the oven, for, like just feeding and I baked it or something. Like I'd have to get my mom or a friend that I've sent it out to, to send some back to me. Um, but then I'm like, but then it's not mine. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's that, that like feeling of ownership over something or um, and I'm sure you feel like that with like the ultimate version is with Ty. Just you are his source of like life. You know what I mean? Especially while he's a baby. And um, so this is all just like minute versions of that. But it, I think it increases your respect for that thing and your love for that thing or person. And yeah. Yeah. Whenever people are like, oh, that's such a cute baby. I'm like, thanks. I made him. Like, yeah, I made him in my is. womb. It's, it's yes. so cool. And not only that, you have been like the person who is keeping him alive. He would not be alive if post womb, you weren't like his source of life and you nurtured him and stuff. So wild. I know it is. It, it's so cool because I feel like, like in this day and age, like, children are like the only thing that like we have to nurture Uh because everything else is like instant gratification like you go you go to the store and you buy you know a bouquet of flowers you go to the store and you buy uh, you know a a loaf of bread all this stuff and I I feel like it takes a lot of like the joy out of it and I don't know like even just like starting to like make sourdough and um just experiment in the kitchen and stuff just makes me see a lot of things in life differently like Uh how people like I appreciate food on a different level like years ago it was just I would look at food as like calories and macros and like that's it and like even now if I like my parents had like some sourdough that they bought from the store before it came to visit and I tried it and I was like this is not quite not quite it's not not it yeah. Um, and it's just so cool because I've been like sharing my sourdough with friends or like swapping yeah. for farm fresh eggs and yeah. and other things. And I'm like, I'm having like the sense of community, yeah. like the sense of ownership, like all these things I think we just have lost in this really fast paced life and society that things are in now and something as simple as you know you taking the time to grow your flowers or make your your sourdough and your bone broth just kind of makes you connect with yourself and the world and everything around you yeah no I totally agree it's grounding in so many ways and it like you were saying like with food how it went from being a number to being this um sort of like almost you saw it less for a number and more for this like whole ingredient list. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I, I know exactly what kind of flower I'm using and, and you're doing things more intentionally. Same with gardening. It's like, it goes from being like a, a bouquet of 10 stems, a number that you buy in the market to being like my soil has this in it. And the, this, you know, plant shot up three flowers and this one shot up five. So now I have this many instead of just, you know, the number, the buying of the bread, the buying of the, uh flowers I totally get that like that grounding brings a sense of community and it also just um I think reminds for me I guess it reminds me of where I'm from um I talk about this with sourdough a lot but I think people think it can be really hard to garden or really hard to bake sourdough but our ancestors had to do those things and did them all the time every single day and well if they didn't garden they didn't eat if they didn't keep their sourdough starter alive and make bread they didn't eat. And so 
not only does it ground me into the present moment, but I feel like it grounds me in a way where I'm like connecting with um, sort of like past. Um, I don't know, like, I don't mean to sound like Mulan or whatever, but like my, my ancestors, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. in my blood. Um, so I love that about all of these things as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is like, it's just like this whole new world. And yeah. I'm just like, dang, this is what people used to do back then. Like, I can't imagine all the, like, I'm over here, like sweating over making a loaf of bread and these people yeah. had to make everything. And, you know, they had to get up at the crack of dawn and milk oh, their no. cows. And oh my gosh, I know it. It's crazy. So much work. Like their, their work, their livelihood was staying alive. Do you know what I mean? Like they weren't yeah. out making money. They were out making the things that you would use money to buy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is so weird seeing like just seeing the shift, I guess, from generation to generation. And I think that is so cool that like you were homeschooled and you were taught these skills that like a lot of people just weren't taught at all. Like yeah. at all. Yeah. Did um homeschooling and stuff like help you find like your passion and and what you love and into kind of the world and the business that you're in now or how how's that journey been? Yeah, good question. Um, def the an short answer is definitely yes. Um, mostly because my mom, I think she really prioritized free time for us. Like there's different methods of homeschooling. You can be like really hardcore and I don't know, rigid in your schedule and whatever. But I think that my mom's approach was a lot more like, I want you to be a well-rested child. So we're not going to start at the crack of dawn. We're going to start at like 8 a.m. And if you want to stay in your pajamas for an extra hour, that's fine. And so the first half of our day was like seat work where we would do like grammar and, you know, spelling and math based on our grade levels because I was homeschooled alongside my younger sister and older brother. Um, and then in the afternoon, she would read aloud to us like that was like our entire afternoon was my mom reading aloud to us. And if it was a history book, then we were um, drawing what was happening on this like rollout of like this roll of butcher paper. So we would make a timeline. And at the end of the year, we would have this whole like timeline of like Roman history out on this piece of paper that we could like roll out and look at again. Um, or we would just be sitting in the yard on like a picnic blanket reading even like fiction books, it kind of didn't matter. But um, so that was like the morning and afternoon, but there was so much time, free time for me in between to be bored, essentially. And I remember being bored a lot, but my mom would always say boredom is a luxury, go do something. And, um, and I did, and it would always be like um, something really crafty. Um, I sewed a lot. I, um, knitted. Um, I still knit. Um, I would, you know, we would do the the vegetable garden. My sister and I would pretend for hours and hours, just play like pioneers and whatever house and stuff like that. So I think that having that free time to explore different types of art and different just ways of being imaginative did shape who I am quite a bit. And then on top of that, I've just always had my parents support and permission to pursue those things as if they were as important as, you know, math or science. Do you know what I mean? Like there was, I never felt like these things were less important just because they were um, more imaginative or more creatively inclined. So that support always meant a lot. It felt important. It felt like I could put my energy towards it without feeling like it was just like a waste of time or whatever, which is why I, I talk about hobbies so much now and how I believe that they, you know, they really keep your soul alive. Like you go to work to make money to keep your body alive so you can afford food and shelter. But what's that worth really if you feel like dead inside and, and to me or for me at least and I can only speak from personal experience but like hobbies are that thing that keep you alive and kind of remind you of who you are and um keep you curious wow yeah I I feel like <clears throat> I can totally relate to the whole hobby thing because for the longest time like I didn't have hobbies like people would ask me like oh like what do you like to do and like uh -huh. my entire identity was working out uh -huh. was 
the gym was, you know, counting my macros, lifting, you know, doing competitions, whether it was, you know, a marathon, strongman, um, triathlon, whatever it was. So when people would ask me, what do I do? I'd be like, I work out like that was my hobby. Yeah. And then I think it really started to, I don't know, kind of hit after I I gave birth and I, you know, having issues with my pelvic floor where I couldn't work out as intensely and also like struggling with postpartum depression. Like I didn't want to work out. So I felt like, like my whole life was, was just kind of over and gone. So like following your like sourdough recipe and learning how to like do sourdough, it brought me so much happiness because I was like, look, like this is something else I can do. This is something else like I have to offer the world. Like this is something that I do for me and that I like just enjoy doing. And it's something that's more like slower and, you know, you have the patience for it. And, um, you know, you learn something every time. Like, like I noticed in Virginia, like my dough would always come out perfect. And then over here in San Diego, for some reason, I don't know if it's like the weather shift, but the dough would always be so wet. And I just like, I thought that was so, so different. So kind of just, I don't know, instead of just following directions so specifically, it was just kind of, I don't know, learning to be a little more intuitive. And that's, you know, brought, yeah, I I think, I just think it's so cool. And, you know, it brought me to other things. Like I've been really like learning how to sew and how to make things like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm growing rosemary. I didn't grow it by my, I bought it at, at Trader Joe's. No, that counts. (laughs) That 110% counts. That's awesome. I know I really want to do more herbs at some point when I have a little more space. Yum, rosemary. Very cool. And yeah, like with the sourdough, I'm always so impressed with whenever you post and I, and I, you know, I love to see all the different, you know, experimental recipes you do with your sourdough, but I feel like you kill it every single time. And like, I know that when you like go somewhere else and you're like, okay, it's, I promise I can usually do this really well. Like, like yeah. now that I'm in front of my mom, it's not working or whatever, yeah. but it's always so frustrating. But I, I just feel like, um, I just love to, to see like the dinner rolls you made the other day looked perfect. Oh, and I, I don't know. Yeah. So it seems like it's, it's innate for you. And like you were saying, like you have that intuition to be able to watch it and be like, Ooh, it looks a little wet. I think I could use a little more of this or that. And, um, yeah, it's been fun for me to follow. Yeah. It's, it's just like such a, such a whole new world and so opposite of, you know, what I used to kind of stand for, like, oh my gosh, bread, like carbs. Like, oh my gosh. Bread is so demonized in the fitness industry. I was even, I thought I thought we were kind of over this. I thought we were good and done. And then the other day, someone was telling me that their trainer said no bread and no bananas. That they are not allowed to eat those. Oh but they can have pasta and this and that. And I'm just what? like, you're de- you're demonizing bananas. Like, Wild. come on. You know, I've never gotten that fruit thing, that like fitness world fruit thing where fruit is so scary. I'm like, okay, you need a little bit of sugar. I don't. I mean, I like, know too much everything in moderation but like come on fruit like strawberries or like watermelons so wild so I know I I I remember it being in like think late high school and like the thing was like you shouldn't eat fruit like after 12 after 12 p.m so like I would be like you know I only eat fruit before 12 p.m not after 12 p.m and oh my gosh just all the just all these rules so it's kind of just cool being in the kitchen and like making bread and also like having that that food freedom with it has been has been really cool because there's probably a point in my life where I could never make a loaf of sourdough and have it be able to last a while it'd be like that all or nothing mentality so I don't know it's just it's really cool like kind of bringing in the two worlds of like you know you can still live a life of health health and fitness but you know, making this bread is like good for my soul, dude. Like it's so, it's it's just so different than I ever thought. Absolutely. And I do relate to that. Like, I, I feel like a lot of us can that, that looking back, um, I do feel like I've come a long way with food, with my relationship towards food, with seeing it as, you know, not a a list of numbers, but a list of ingredients. And what do those ingredients mean to me? And how does my body actually react to those ingredients rather than just like 
demonizing a, an ingredient because of what somebody said. Um, and I can absolutely relate to that. And I do agree that putting time and effort and, you know, your heart into something food related really does um, reflect that that journey from food being something that you need to restrict and control to something that you can kind of get lost in and appreciate in like a totally new way. Hmm. Yeah. I, you were even mentioning something and um, I think it was a sourdough video. I don't know. I've seen all your YouTube videos. So they all kind of. Are you serious? No. Yes. <laughs> oh my yes. God, I watch them. I, I send them to people. It's funny because I also like all of my I'll have my starter and like I'll put my starter on Facebook Marketplace and then uh -huh. if someone buys it from me I send them your YouTube link. Uh -uh. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I have a video coming out tomorrow about um this like amazing sourdough granola bread. I feel like you're really gonna like it. It's Ooh. like well, I don't know if you like like our big nut fruit person but it's like yeah this like nutty fruity sourdough bread oh, yeah. it's pretty good yeah it's a fun recipe it's really similar to the like regular sourdough recipe but just with like add-ins so it's cool I'm excited Ooh, I'm excited to do that I just fed my starter this morning so nice getting yeah. ready getting ready but but what I would like in the video what I was saying is you said something about like you know like eat the dang bread yeah and I was like yes girl thank you for yeah. saying that because it is so true i mean shoot back in the day people were you know making bread you know drinking milk having cheese all this stuff and they didn't struggle the way that we struggle now and like we demonize the things that it's like that's what they used to eat back in the day they had a healthy relationship with food yeah. they kind of worked to you know make their food create it keep it around so I think when you do have like this new appreciation it kind of does help like heal your relationship with the food as well I agree yeah and then you start to look at things like fat-free milk and you're like hmm <laughs> something doesn't seem right here you know what I mean when you think about like what milk is when they went to milk their cow and then drank it and they had that that relationship with food where it was just you know easy and like a no-brainer it kind of makes you look at some stuff now that diet culture slash just obsession with thinness or whatever has created. And you're like, that's weird. <laughs> I think that's a little strange, you know? Yeah. I mean, things that, I don't know, it's just so weird. Like you're saying about like the fat free milk, like we like to like overly process things now yeah. and yeah. like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for, like, egg whites. Egg whites are cool, but, like, there's a yeah. reason why, like, egg whites are with the yolk, you yeah, know? Like, no, yeah. that's, like, how God made it, you know? Yes. They, they were meant to be together, and same with, like, milk. Yeah. Um, I was listening to something that said um, the reason why so many people are lactose intolerant is because when you pasteurize the milk, it takes away, like, the ingredient that helps you process lactose. Yes. So it's, like, no wonder everyone's yes. lactose intolerant. You know, and like same with bread. Like when I see things that say like keto bread or whatever, I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, what this is, is just, uh, yeah, yeah, this is air. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. So wild. I know. So I, I feel like we're just like demonizing the wrong things, and yeah. Yeah. um, you know, I still like I all get like little comments here and there, like when I make my like bread or cinnamon rolls and you know like oh this is going to be so bad for me or this or that like little diet culture things that I hear I hear people say and I'm just yeah. like See, that's like that's the unhealthy relationship with food that I'm talking about like you should be okay with having some bread like it's literally one ingredient like the sourdough is one ingredient <laughs> right right yeah no I completely agree and I mean I I will say like I am not perfect. I even catch myself doing that kind of thing. I even catch myself, you know, saying things like, oh, I, to myself, I've made a lot, of, you know, I'm rest, I've been recipe testing this week. I've made a lot of different bread recipes. Like maybe I shouldn't have so many slices of this. And you know what I mean? Like I'll still catch myself like um, saying stuff like that to myself. And um, so I'm like by no means perfect. And food freedom is, is a journey. Um, but just back to that, when you're hands-on and making it, 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 it can really take so much of that away and, and you kind of get back to the root of like, 
why you're doing it, what it is you're doing. And, and it's not just a calorie, but if I didn't say that I still like had those sort of intrusive thoughts, I'd be completely lying because it is a journey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh, like same here. That One of the things is that really bugs me, but also like it's kind of a compliment. And same time is like when people tell me, oh my gosh, you don't look like you just had a baby. Uh-huh. And it's part of me is like, oh, well, thank you. But then most of me is like, but I did have a baby. Like, what's wrong with looking like I just had a baby? Like, right. I just had a baby. Right. You know, this whole right. bout, bounce back culture. Like, no, yes. I'm different than I was before. I'm not going to bounce back. I'm going to go through this new journey of right. healing and this junior, new journey of health and wellness. So, right. so, so yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, naturally, I want to be like, oh, well, <laughs> thank of you. Yeah, but yeah. it's not... But the fact that we acknowledge it and we can we can see it is is a big step, I think. Yeah, I agree. And um, to kind of piggyback what you were just talking about, um, I, I'm a birth doula. I'm a newly trained birth doula. So I don't think I would consider that like necessarily a hobby. <laughs> it definitely is like something that um, I'm working towards doing um, professionally. I was trained last September and have had a few clients and I'm working on getting more, but something that I learned in my studies um, going through the training for my doula certification is this idea of, I think I'm saying it right. And if I'm not, I apologize, but matrescence, which is what's considered like a second puberty um, when women kind of cross that or, you know, people cross that threshold um, from not being a parent into parenthood, into motherhood, um, and how so much changes so quickly. And kind of one of the only things that you can compare it to is puberty. Like one day you wake up and like, oh, you just like have hair in a place that you didn't before or whatever. And it's kind of all these changes, physical, but emotional all at once. And so, um, that's something that's always been really intriguing to me. That idea of you are completely, you're the same person but you, you, you're so different than you were before you had tied, you know what I mean? And what's wrong with that? Like, why, why are we being encouraged to bounce back to a a prior version of ourselves? It's not a better version of ourselves. Do you know what I mean? But there's so much, um, I think, um, pressure and opinions that make you think that you should be back to that person you were before. You're still you, of course, but you're a new you. You know what I mean? You're a different you. You've gone through these changes. So to hear somebody act like you should be or feel or look like or behave like you did before you went through this transformation is a little invalidating. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of wild. Wow, that's that's so cool hearing that there's actually like a name for that and it's yeah. a thing because it it's so true. Like I feel like honestly a completely different person in like I don't I don't even want to say a good way or a bad way. It's just kind of like both ways. Like mm-hmm. it's just it is what it is. It so is still trying is. to yeah. yeah rediscover myself and figure right. out like who I am and like what I have to offer. And it's it's so different. It's weird that like so like literally everyone a lot of people go through this you know yeah. <laughs> and yeah. no one really talks about it no. I was like, dang like yeah. this is hard like I understand motherhood is beautiful and birth is beautiful but it's freaking hard and yes. it's like trying to find myself all over again like I understand now why 40 year old men buy Mustangs like I get it <laughs> yeah no it's weird because it's like you're still 100% yourself but at the same time you're 100% different it's almost like you just doubled what you're capable of and what you are do you know what I mean so you're not less and like when you try and find yourself again it's like you're finding the pieces of you that have traveled with you through this and that are you know, that you're going to come out on the other side of this with, and then there's stuff that you leave behind and that's okay. And it's meant to be that way. And yeah, I do agree that having a word for that um, experience, I've never had children myself. I just am magnetized to childbirth and um, knowing about it, but um, I'm grateful that I know that so that God willing, when I do have children, I, I think there's just more of like a, um, concrete way of understanding that transition, I guess. 
Yeah, that is just so cool how you kind of went from flowers to sourdough to a du- to being a doula because I feel like we all limit ourselves to like one little like aspect in life like you know people like oh what do you do and you're like oh I'm I'm an accountant and it's like that's it and I love how you just cover all these bases and I feel like kind of like the older generation would probably frown upon that I feel like because they're also the type who are like you have to stay in the same exact job like your whole life Um, and I love that you just kind of I don't know follow your dreams your passion your heart and learn all these all these new different things do you like feel a little pushback by society when you decide to travel in all these different areas yeah definitely and I also feel pushback from myself too sometimes um a question that I get a lot when people ask me what I do which it is hard to explain but I think that like a something that does bother me is people will say oh, okay, cool. But which one do you want to do the most? And I'm like, I just told you like all of them. They're like, no, no, no. I know you do all of them, but like, which one are you going? And I'm like, no, like all of them all the time is my goal. Like I, I don't, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely like some pushback that I get, but I, I will say like, I get pushback from myself because I think that, um, I need to, you know, I don't know, what's that quote, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Like sometimes like my, um, there's a part of me that, that is like, okay, like you need to commit to one thing and be an expert in it rather than being like knowing something about like five different things or something. And, um, so not only do I feel that from others, I do sometimes like when I'm having a day where I'm just kind of down on myself, um, I do think that, you know, about myself. And, um, I don't know if you know anything about human design types. I know like very, very, very little about human design types, but I do know that I'm a manifesting generator and there's an Instagram, um, uh, called like my human design that every time a manifesting generator post comes up, it's always like, stop feeling like you have to choose one thing, like show us how you can be more things than just the one thing. Like, the blueprint might not exist, but like, it's up to you to create that blueprint and be multiple things and not feel held back. So, um, I feel that a lot. And then I also have waves of like inspiration that maybe I can, um, do all of these things and inspire that many more people. Cause you may be interested in sourdough and not in flowers or flowers and not sourdough. So hopefully like if I can teach anyone just like one thing about, about one category of things I'm interested in that would like feel successful to me. Um, yeah, but definitely feel pushback and feel like I need to choose and make myself smaller, I guess a lot of the time. Yeah. So what you just said about the whole, um, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. I, um, I was just Googling it because I've heard that the entire quote is actually the complete opposite of what we think it is. That's what my boyfriend always says. What is it? Yeah, so I guess it's a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Okay, see, See, I I love that. I I low-key got goosebumps just now. Thank you for looking that up. My boyfriend is always telling me that he's always like, I know that's not what the quote actually means, but I forget what it means. But anyway, I had not, I had been meaning to look that up. Um, But yeah, I, that's so cool. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I've never actually looked it up, but I remember someone talking about that. So when you brought yeah. it up, I I looked it up and it's so true. And I even I was listening to a TED talk like years ago where they're actually saying that people who have more like I don't know how they worded it, but kind of like general education in an area versus like a very specific when you have like that specific knowledge, you make more money in the very beginning. But then when you have the general knowledge over time, you actually make more money than someone who is like very specific on a topic. So I thought that was really cool. So, you know, we live in a world where they're like, like you're saying like, Oh, like what's the one thing. And it's like, yeah, that might let's say make you the most money. Cause apparently that's all people want to do nowadays. People want to be able to get in a box in order to, um, 
I guess, label you. So, but that, yeah, but then I understand how money would come from you being that thing and you being recognized as that thing and hired for being that thing or, you know, like that does make sense to me. I get that. And I get why people want to put other people in, in boxes. It's comfortable. I want to do it to people all the time. I want to do it to myself. It's more comfortable to be able to like label something and, and, you know, not, not, uh, like honor those intricacies. It's, it's easy to do. It makes sense why people do that. Yeah. And, and the question, I actually, I hate the question. Like when people say, what do you do? Because <laughs> we're taught that like when people ask you that, like your answer should be like your job or your career. Right. When I feel like it should be so much more than that. Like, I love that. Like your, your title is a professional hobbyist because like yeah. it does not put you in one box. So I just when like people ask me what I do, I'm like, sometimes I just have like different answers, you know, yeah. like, and part of me wants to be like, I'm a mom. Right. And no one wants that answer. And honestly, like it, it hurts my ego to say it if, right. if that was my answer. And like, which is, that's why which I feel like wild. I get it. And at the same time, it's wild that that isn't revered as like the most important thing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's for sure the hardest thing I've ever done. Yes. It's for sure the hardest thing I've ever yes. done, but why isn't it the thing I want to say that I do? Yeah, no, I get I don't that. Know. Well, because I do think that when people ask that question, what they're asking is, how do you make money and how much of it do you make? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot mm-hmm. of times that's what they want to know. And, and so like being, uh, if I said, well, I knit. They're like, but do you, okay, so do you sell what you knit? And I'm like, no, I sit on my couch and I knit. You know what I mean? Like that, like there's a way to answer the question that people are going to feel cool about and there's a way that they're not going to. And being a mom, you don't make money. You spend money on diapers and you know what I mean? Um, And I think that, I think that that's like just one reason that like sometimes it feels like that's not like an acceptable answer maybe. For me, it does at least. When I tell people what I do, they're like, okay, so are you making money on your YouTube? And I'm like, someday. I just started it. Someday. I, I hope to. You know what I mean? I know people but, ask me yeah, about the, the podcast as well. Like, yeah, do you make money from your podcast? I'm like, why is that the first question like yeah. that you ask? Like, how about yeah. like, do you feel like you're making a difference or, yes. or something <laughs> like that? They're always like, do yeah. you make money from your podcast? Like, not enough for me to you know leave my husband and child and go live in Hawaii by myself yeah. that's what you're asking no yeah, yeah no I, I <laughs> no <laughs> yeah I totally relate to that maybe I'll just like I think I'm gonna have a new answer when people ask me like oh what do you do I'll just ask them what makes me money or what makes me happy yeah because literally. like because I think they they just want to know what makes me money, like like you said. Yeah, if that's I think what you so. want to know, like I'll tell you. Yeah, they're being federal. They like want to know like exactly the the facts on how much <laughs> you make and what that means about who you are, which is wild and kind of gross. Yeah, and it, I think it's just kind of like a go to question. Like I was literally at the dermatologist, and he was like pulling out my little my little skin cancer, and he's like, "So what do you do?" I just had one removed on my back this week. My stitches are like killing. I forgot we both have that. I forgot we talked about that. Anyway. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's, that's wow. How are you doing? Are you okay? No, my <laughs> stitches hurt. It's like, it's fine. I'm like, fine. The, the path report came back good, but the stitches are like on my mid back and they're like stretching. Anyway, I totally interrupted you, but oh. your dermatologist asked you what you do. Oh no. I'm just like, I'm over here getting freaking cancer removed yes. from my left titty and you're asking me what makes me money. Yeah. You're like, you don't need to know right now, at least. You, you can either touch my boob or ask me that question, but not at the same time. <laughs> yeah, not at the same time. How are you? Is yeah, that was... Hard? It's... Oh my gosh. First of all, the scar, very ugly. Um, Second of all, horrible location when you're breastfeeding. Yeah, I um, could imagine that... Did it stretch a bit? Yeah. So, like, if I ever, like you know got engorged from milk it would stretch and then my baby just thought it would be the funnest thing to try to like pull up my stitches or or slap it or this and that and I got wear a band-aid but like my skin would get all sensitive yes no me too me too I have a a scar right above my left boob or wait is this my left yeah and I I do I always think about that that 
you know, if and when I breastfeed, I do think that same is going to happen to me. It's going to stretch a bit and it's just part of it, but yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. My, my uncle, I think everyone has someone in their family who like, um, just always says something kind of inappropriate. Yes, stuff. <laughs> um, and my uncle, um, was like, oh, um, you need to tell your husband to stop giving you love bites on your boobs <gasps> or whatever because you saw my scar. And I was like, it's cancer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no matter what it is, that is an inappropriate comment. People do think mine's my nipple. And I'm like, you think my nipple is like three inches above? Like what? Like, I, I don't know. In like college, if I'd walk into like my, you know, our room with all my roommates with a towel on, they'd be like, your nipple. And I'd be like, girls, that is not my nipple. <laughs> yeah scars that is a third nipple have you ever seen friends i haven't seen friends you you've never seen friends no, i've never seen friends i feel oh like oh my I'm gosh like, i know oh yeah. man well chandler bing has a third nipple oh um, really so yeah <laughs> yeah that's so your third nipple <laughs> that's so funny all right so i think one of my last questions to you would be like what kind of words of advice I guess do you have for people who are maybe going back and forth between like should I follow like my passion maybe something that I don't know isn't acceptable to society or like what route should I go like what words of wisdom do you have for people maybe trying to take a a a more clear route (laughs) um a leap of faith I would say a hundred percent go for it and go for it knowing that you're going to have to do what you can to make it happen, especially at first and say that thing is art. You're no less of an artist because you're also driving Postmates in order to not be at your nine to five to pursue your art career. Um, I guess like I've you know, I've done so, so, so many things since graduating college that weren't related to my passions, my hobbies, my art. Um, I've nannied a bunch. I've been a hostess at a restaurant. I've been a maid. I've driven Postmates. Like I have done so many things to hustle to make um, ends meet, I suppose. And I think a lot of times I've when I'm in those situations, I, I can look at it and feel like I'm failing, I guess, um, because I have to do them. But really the reality of it is, is that it's, it's pure success. The fact that I'm pursuing something that makes me happy and doing what I have to do to make that work, um, logistically for myself, that's, like the spice of life. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make me any less of a gardener, any less of a hobbyist, any less of a floral artist because I'm doing something else um, to support myself. It actually kind of makes me like a badass and brave. And um, also the other thing kind of piggybacking on that is I heard this thing the other day that's like, you say you want something, but you have to hold this uncomfortable position in order to get that thing. A lot of people will back out after holding that uncomfortable position becomes too uncomfortable. And they kind of start to think, did I really want that thing? You know, if I have to go do X, Y, Z to achieve my goal, do I really, is that my goal really what I want? Um, So it's about holding that uncomfortable position. It's about, um, allowing that discomfort it's about welcoming it in and doing everything you have to do to reach that goal so um I would say if you feel like it's a leap of faith and there might be some discomfort and you might have to hold a position for a long time that um isn't necessarily your ideal um more power to you don't uh let that make you think that you're failing in some way it's it's pure success to chase what brings you you know joy and what keeps you alive um even if it's at the expense of having to do some stuff that you don't necessarily you know want to do better than doing only what you don't want to do at a nine to five or whatever right man that was inspirational like hearing it on my end because like I feel like that's kind of where I am like 
feeling the resistance and the uncomfortableness of, you know, pursuing my passion. Um, but I mean, there's more to, there's more to life than just, you know, working a nine to five, if that's not what you want to do, you know? Right. So, totally. so I love that. It's going to, it's going to be uncomfortable and there's going to, I feel like there's just resistance, like from all ends, whether it's yourself or, mm-hmm. you know, the outside world who says like, this is what you should be doing. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, no one's going to like lie on their deathbed saying like, I'm so happy that I made more money right away doing something that I didn't love. 100%. And something that didn't feel like a full representation of myself, right? Like, even if you make more money doing something that doesn't feel aligned, it's like, why? Why? You know? And that right. can be uncomfortable, though, you know? When you know that there could be more money and you're choosing not that, that's the kind of thing that people are like, okay. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like as humans, like we change and evolve. So like our, you know, passions and like what we do should change and evolve too, you know, like even how much you've evolved over the past couple of years of what yeah. you've done from flowers to being a doula. Like yeah. just because you're you're evolving and learning more. So why can't your career path do that as well? Like we yeah. should accept that and embrace it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Feels good to hear. I got you, girl. You were you were an insp- you were inspiring me, so I'm here to inspire you back. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so where can our our listeners connect with you and and find you? Um, because they need to they need to follow <laughs> your YouTube and Instagram because their life will be changed just like mine has. Oh, thank you. Um, my Instagram is just my first and last name, Claire Fagan. Um, and then from there, there's a link in my bio where you can find my YouTube, you can find sourdough recipes, um, there's signups for flour deliveries if you're local, um, all this stuff is kind of there. My, um, my YouTube is called Farm Dream if you just want to go straight to YouTube, but it's all in my Instagram bio. So that's a good place to start. Perfect. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so people can find you and reach out to you. But thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I feel like, I don't know, this morning I was kind of like tired and now I feel like inspired and kind of giddy. And (laughs) I wish we were like in person right now so we could continue chatting over a cup of coffee or something, but glad. I know. Well, you know what? That will be, um, maybe that will be part two. We'll do another, when I'm, when I'm back in town, maybe we can meet up and do another, do another little interview and hang out because that'd be so fun. That would be very fun. Thank you again so much for having me. All right, you guys, that is it. Thank you again to Claire for coming on my podcast. It was just so amazing to talk to her. She really is one of a kind. And I feel like there's so much we can all learn from her. Um, Just, you know, out of her many hobbies and then also just her outlook on life. I love it. It is just so beautiful. Um, I'm so glad that I was able to connect with her. So you guys should go reach out, follow her on Instagram, go check out her YouTube videos and tell her, tell her hi. She's great. She's great. So you definitely are going to want to follow her on all of her platforms. But like I said, that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and have an amazing blessed week and I will catch you in the next one. Bye.